Welcome to Airtime, a podcast by Elevate Aviation, exploring all things aviation with a focus on the people inside the industry and their careers. Here is your host and podcast producer, Kendra Kincaid. South 340 and a Metroliner, as well, uh, I'm a third generation pilot. So um, it's, uh, I grew up around it, so it was, there was always an airplane around our household. So. We're going to get more into that in a little bit. Um, and can you know Glennis, right? Yes. Glennis so, is so, a friend of mine. <laughs> yeah, Glennis, tell us about you. Um, I'm a 787 first officer with Air Canada. I've been with Air Canada uh, almost 21 years now. And I got my start uh, flying when I was a teenager with Air Cadets. I did my glider license and my private pilot's license with them, and uh, that's pretty much what hooked me. And then I uh, went to Sioux College to the aviation uh, technology program in Sault Ste. Marie. After a few years there, I taught flying uh, in uh, Sault Ste. Marie and North Bay. And um, then I uh, uh, got my first airline job was flying the Twin Otter with Norantair and did that. Then I uh, moved out to Newfoundland and flew Dash 8s for Air Atlantic and uh, then moved to the other side of the country, flew Dash 8s uh, out of Calgary for a while. and. Um, then it was lucky enough to get hired for Canada. Wow. Okay, so let's dig into it a little bit more. Um, Kim, like what really made you look at wanting to become a pilot? Like even if, even if it's around you, you know, like we have things around us, like what, what was it in you that actually went, I, I wanna do that? Um, well, again, like I grew up around it and I knew I always wanted to fly. Um, and my father, who is a pilot in our family, um, he was the one that always gave my sister and I an option of an introductory flight and, uh, you know, said, if you decide to do something else in your life, you can always even have a private license to fly an airplane. So, uh, my sister did the introductory flights. She really enjoyed it, but she gets airsick. So that didn't go too well. Um, and I took the introductory flight and absolutely loved it and thought, you know what? Okay, maybe I'll get my private license. But then when I realized uh, I was being part of the flight school and I was around other pilots who this was their career. And I thought, you know what, I would love this uh, kind of adventure in my life. And I would love to, you know, have a career where I get to travel the world um, and have something different every day. So that's kind of what motivated me to do it. I was actually going to be uh, become a nurse. Um, and was also looking at becoming a riding coach. But then once I started flying lessons, I, I knew that this is exactly what I wanted to, for my career to be, is to be an airline pilot. So would you say then that it is really important to bring, you know, I know that like we at Elevate really are trying to get more women in aviation, but you know, as humans, um, do you think it is really important to bring people out to the airport into the aviation industry uh like so people can have that experience because like you know i hear from other people as well that it was when i went for that flight that it kind of yeah happened. absolutely and again you know where i grew up around it i was always exposed to aviation always around the airport um one of my 
I remember distinctly, like uh, when I was younger, uh, my father and I would look out in the sky in the nighttime and being in Newfoundland, we would see a lot of the airplanes flying overhead because doing all the transatlantic flights. And we used to hear the London Heathrow flight, the Air Canada flight that would leave St. John's every night. Like a little story a little later on to tell about that, which you know. Um, and I thought, wow, gosh, that, that'd be so cool to be, you know, leaving here now and you can wake up there in the morning, here you are in London, right? Take a nap, wake up and then go explore the city. Um, so yeah, that was kind of, you know, I always thought that would be really cool. Uh, to be able to do that. So I think it's important to be, uh, you know, go take a, go to the airport, look at the airplanes taking off and landing, um, you know, and there's so many uh, resources we have available to us, like Elevate, you know, with the cross-country tours. So, and with the um, internet now, I mean, going on looking at videos and all that kind of stuff. So that's uh, definitely a good resource as well. So Gladys, how, do we, how about you? Like, do you, do you remember the moment where you like you really went this there's nothing else for me um for me i think it was when uh like i said i i, I loved my experience getting my glider license uh, as an air cadet but the next year when i went and did my private pilot's license my instructor had just graduated from uh, the sioux college aviation program and uh, i guess it was just like hearing him talk about the program and i just I just knew that's what I wanted to do. I just loved being in the airplane. And now I kind of figured uh, I had a path to get myself there. And my dad was an airline pilot as well. So um, obviously he was a big influence. And just like Kim said, you know, we'd go out to the airport when we were kids. Uh, we'd, he'd take us to air shows and that just, it got me hooked. And so even if you're, you know, one of the places by Toronto's Pearson airport, people go sit by the Wendy's and watch airplanes come in and land. And there's always a ton of people there, but it's so fun. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I think even, even that is the great way to expose yourself to looking at the different airplanes, looking at the different airlines. Uh, that's kind of neat. I, I feel not sad, but I, 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 you know, all the people who don't have aviation in their life, and they don't know what they're missing like that. And that's part of what we're all doing here, trying to reach out to those people who don't have aviation in their life and say, Hey, look over here, come and look at this, this career, because, you know, we know what's going on right now with the whole COVID, but I mean, there's many industries right now that are, that are hurting and we will, I keep saying we will be strong again. Um, and we'll be back and we want people to look at this industry because it provides such, such an amazing career. So, um, it's really trying to reach those people who don't have aviation in their life. So we'll keep doing what we're doing. You guys keep doing what you're doing. Um, <laughs> there's a question here I just have to ask because I'm curious as well because I talked to uh, Sophia. Um, I know Kim, you know her. She's part of Elevate. Uh, yeah. she, we talk about this all the time. Um, and thank you, Captain McKee. Do you guys ever miss the Twin Otter or uh, some of the smaller props rather than the big ones? Like, do, do, you ever, do you miss it or you're done? Moving on. Don't look back. I do. I definitely do. I um, I actually will. I'll fly. Uh, I fly small airplanes still. Um, you know, up until actually a couple of years ago, I was actually flying little classic aircrafts of the tail draggers, which were with a group up north of Toronto. Um, I've done gliding as well. I did my glider license about uh, six, seven years ago. Um, 
And my father has a, a small airplane, a single engine aircraft that he is uh, restoring right now. So I'm kind of hoping, can't wait to fly that. So as I love flying the big jets, but I also love flying uh, small airplanes. I mean, it's, uh, it's definitely, uh, it's just a love of aviation. I just love to fly. You, what about you, Glenna? Same thing, or, or are you, you're like in that bird? As, as same bird, same like, thing. Um, I don't have as uh, much opportunity to fly the small airplanes, um, but I, you know, I've gone out with a friend of mine uh, gliding um, and even just, you know, renting a um, Cessna 152 out of the island airport a few years ago. Of course, the most embarrassing thing was as we were taxiing out <laughs> in this airplane, every time I'd call back to ATC, I would say Air Canada, yeah. and I'm like, no! <laughs> but um, there really is something special, but so anytime I get a chance to go up, um, gosh, I was really fortunate a couple of years ago, a friend took me up in a Harvard, and that was so much fun, and it's, you know, every type of airplane, every type of flying is a little bit different, and, uh, but they're, they're all fun. <laughs> Um, uh, Glennis, Brian wants to know what Air Cadet Squadron you received your scholarship from. Uh, 707 Etobicoke. It doesn't exist anymore. Um, it's too bad because the coolest uh, number, but um, yeah, <laughs> 707 Etobicoke. <laughs> okay. Uh, another, here's a question, and I, Kim, I don't know if you can answer this question, uh -oh. but I'm going to ask because someone wrote it. Um, uh -oh. So Caleb, uh, he's a regular viewer. Hi, Caleb. Thanks so much. Uh, hi, Kenner and guests. Thank you for this program today. I have a question about the 737 MAX. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> you probably know where this Kim. is going. Uh, Kim is a captain on the 737 MAX. How is it possible? How is that possible with the groundings? Have you ever had a problem like the ones that caused the accidents? I, I, I don't know your perimeters, what you're allowed to answer, but there you yeah, so, um, go. <laughs> so, yeah, the airplane has been grounded for a year. Um, and uh, obviously, you know, we, I haven't been flying uh, because of that. Um, however, I do, again, teach in the simulator. We're required to do recency events uh, for all the pilots and recurrent training events uh, to keep our currency. So that's kept me pretty busy over the past 13 months. And no, I have not experienced any of those uh, events that have happened with the previous airlines. Okay, I'm going to ask this. Gonna, if you don't want to answer anything, just say pass. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, were you ever afraid? Was there any some fear? Like that was your airplane. Um, was, is there a fear base around this? Or you just knew the industry would do the right thing and then... No, absolutely not. There was, there was, there was no fear on my part. I mean, I, I have total confidence in the airplane and I still have total confidence in the airplane. So, and I know that uh, the manufacturer is working really hard to come up with a fix and they have come up with a fix. So it's just the flight testing process now that's, that's part of it. So, uh, you know, we're trained for and anything that can possibly go wrong where, you know, we do the training in the simulators. So, um, you know, and Air Canada has enhanced their training as well. So um, I feel that we're going to be very prepared. Okay, good answer. <laughs> um, okay, we have some great questions coming in. But before I get to, to and I'm going to try to get to all your questions. Um, before I do, I just want to stay on the personal side of YouTube for a moment. Um, let's talk about family and um, uh, what your family looks like. Do, do you have spouses, kids, dogs? Uh, do you not? And um, how does that affect your work? Uh, like, is it, is it hard to have a, a family? Um, in your jobs. Glennis, do you want to start with that one? 
Uh, well, you can probably hear in the background that I have a cat. <laughs> she's, uh, she's being very vocal right now. <laughs> I can't hear it. Um, no, I can't either. So, uh, I, I, when I'm away, I have a friend who takes care of her. Um, but uh, flying runs in my family. Like, not only was my father a pilot, both uh, my brother and his wife are pilots. They have uh, two young Sophie and Cedric, hello. Um, and they, it takes a little bit of feeling um, on their parts and some effort, but they manage to uh, to make it work for them with young kids. And Kim, how about you? Uh, so my other half, he is a pilot as well. He's a pilot with Air Canada, um, and uh, we've uh, we haven't um, we haven't actually had like any uh, trouble. Uh, per se, like with, uh, you know, spending time and stuff and uh, arranging schedules. We've actually ended up in the same cities uh, a few times on layovers. And when we actually did our captain, our captain upgrade training, we actually did together in the simulator. So they normally pair you up with someone. And so we were actually paired up together uh, on a couple times, actually, we're paired up in the simulator. And uh, hey, we're still together and we still like each other. <laughs> Uh, we don't have children. Um, you know, I uh, I ride. I have a horse um, oh, that uh, with a friend of mine, and uh, yeah. So you know, that's kind of that's our family. Um, we don't have animals for just because we're we're gone so much and stuff. Um, but I you know grew up around a lot of animals and about you know four dogs in the house kind of thing. So I'm a huge animal lover and can't wait till I can have another one. Um, but yeah, so. Um, I think, you know, I always look at it as you make it work. Like don't, you be, do. don't, don't not come into aviation because you think that you can't have a life. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. We have many fans, like we have, uh, you know, as Glenna said, her, her brother and her sister-in-law, they have children and they're both pilots. We have a lot of, uh, pilots at our company that are married and have children and, uh, you know, everybody, uh, they, they make it work. Right. So, yeah. Okay, so um, Kim, so you were off when COVID kind of, you know, stopped and grounded the aircraft. You were already off, correct? Because of the mask? Yes. Yeah. Yep. So Glennis, when, when, how did COVID, and I know we've had a conversation about this, it was really interesting. Um, there's actually going to be an article on Glennis coming out in, in um, Wings Magazine, uh, I think next month. But Glennis, how did COVID affect you? Um, well, it, uh, it's basically cut my hours in half uh, right now. Um, uh, ideally, we're trying to mitigate the number of pilot layoffs at the company. So everyone's agreed to pretty much cut their hours almost in half. And um, there just is not a lot of demand for flying at the moment. Um, but the, the company's been adapting and having to adapt pretty quickly there's a lot more cargo flights going. Um, we've even reconfigured three of our triple sevens into all cargo, even up top. So at the beginning of March, when uh, things were normal, um, I did a flight to Zurich, you know, full of passengers both ways. And then I teach in the simulator uh, like Kim does. So I was teaching in the sim for a couple of weeks. And then my next flight I ended up doing at the end of March was a, a cargo flight to Zurich again, uh, full of medical supplies both ways. But um, 
it was uh, it was it was strange. No passengers, no flight attendants. Uh, we all the pilots. There were three of us. We agreed. We missed uh, all of our passengers and flight attendants on board. Um, when we were crossing the North Atlantic, it seemed like we were the only ones. We could see one other aircraft on our TCAS. Um, anything we asked from air traffic control, they'd give to us, at, <laughs> which was great. Um, but yeah, it just, uh, and then even landing in Zurich, you could see, uh, and it was a similar scene that we saw leaving uh, Toronto's Pearson Airport too, was all the airplanes parked. And for me, that was a little, a little heartbreaking to see so many airplanes parked at both airports. And, but when we um, met our ground staff in Zurich, you know, like aviation is a family. It doesn't matter what aspect of it you're in. And everyone was, first of all, very positive that, you know, we were using the facilities we had to transport medical equipment and kind of help out in this crisis, but also just that we're going to get through this. Like things are, might be a little bit weird for a little bit, but we've stuck it out through other, you know, weird times too. And aviation always comes through. So it was kind of nice to see that everybody had that same attitude. Wow. I love that story. Um, here's a question that kind of goes with this. With the amount that the airline industry has struggled with COVID, how difficult do you think it will be for the younger pilots who are just starting out? My son is one included. Um, to get a job flying in the next couple of years. Do you both want to chime in on that? Kim, do you want to start with that one? Um, you know, I, I think definitely, you know, the industry now is going to take a, an adjustment to this. Um, you know, we all know that that's going to happen. It was, um, I think the industry needed a little bit of adjustment before this happened. This much of adjustment, not so much. Um, <laughs> you know, but it was booming, uh, which is great. Um, so if it was booming before this happened, guess what? It will be booming again. Um, it's just a matter of the timing and when. Uh, will you be able to get a job within the next couple of years? Um, the answer to that, I think, is yes. Will there be as many jobs as what there was before this started? Probably not. But, you know, there is still going to be pilot retirements, you know. So, and a lot of the hiring is based on a lot of people like to end up at Air Canada or WestJet, the, the main airlines. So, you know, a lot of the hiring kind of trickles then down to the regional airlines who then Air Canada kind of takes or WestJet takes their pilots from them. Um, and then it causes movement in the regional airlines who then also take their pilots and from uh, like medevac operators or air taxi operators. So that movement will always be there. Um, you know, it might not bounce back within the next six months, but I think definitely you will start to see hiring again, um, you know, after six months or hopefully whenever this, uh, you know, this is over with. So, I mean, yes, it will be there. Uh, my first job, I got hired, my first airline job um, was two weeks after 9-11. So that is when the industry really kind of, you know, came to a standstill. Um, and I got hired in, uh, like I said, two weeks after 9-11. In that January, I received a temporary layoff and I was back working again uh, a couple months later. So, you know, and in my career, I've been laid off three times. Um, so, you know, it, it happens. It's the industry. Um, but, you know, again, it, it will come back and we will bounce back. Glennis, do you feel the same way that it, that it will come back? Uh, I, I do. Um, like, 
six months ago, uh, we were facing a global pilot shortage yeah. and which, you know, Air Canada, just Air Canada alone was looking at hiring over 700 pilots. And part of that is like what Kim said with the um, uh, uh, pilots who are retiring, but also too, we have new uh, Canadian air regulations that come into play at the end of this year. And so they were going to require more augmentation. So on flights to Europe that we might do right now, which is two pilots, we would require three. So just those uh, rules themselves would require more pilots. So right now, obviously, there's a, a hold on hiring. But um, as so as things start to reopen back up, I think the the pilot shortage and you know, the sh everything's going to balance out eventually. And um, so you may not wear, like last year, people were getting hired right out of aviation college and going to the right seat uh, at Jazz, which was just unheard of when I graduated. <laughs> and so it may not be like that right now, or maybe not for a couple more years, but actually this, um, this would be a perfect time to, to, um, start training. I'm not sure myself exactly the effect that COVID's having on flight training centers and stuff, but um, boy, if when if you have all your licenses and you're good to go when hiring starts again, that you'd be in the perfect position to uh, to get on. So um, so okay, don't give up. <laughs> that's good. That's really encouraging, you guys, because I know there's people out there that are you know their dream, you know, maybe feeling a little crushed right now, and they need that. They need that encouragement to keep going. Okay, I'm gonna throw out a couple questions here from our 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 uh, group. Um, okay, do you know how to disable MCAS? Can you really fly manually today's complex planes? I read that an Airbus has 11 computers uh, versus Boeing has very few. Anyone wanna take that? That's yours, Kim. Um, well, I can't really, I can't really speak on the MCAS system. Um, you know, again, it's, it, this is still something that Boeing is, uh, is working on. Uh, you know, we haven't received any updated manuals or anything from Boeing yet because the airplane obviously isn't certified yet, but once it does get certified, then of course the manuals and stuff will come with it. And what was the next part of the question after that one, Kendra? Sorry, I missed it. Uh, let me go back to it here. I clicked it off. Oh, sorry. Um, uh, I think it was just, can you fly manually? Yeah. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's, uh, you know, and that's a key thing that I teach a lot of my candidates, and Glennis can probably talk about this after as well, because she's been instructing uh, longer than I have in the simulator. Um, but uh, one thing I find that is, you know, all our airplanes these days, they are very automated. Um, however, at the end of the day, it's an airplane, and I like to tell anyone, if you're ever getting kind of overwhelmed by the automation, because sometimes if somebody's coming into an automated airplane, the airplane that they flew previously might have not been as automated, they might have not even had autopilot. So, you know, I always say, don't be afraid to turn off that automation and manually fly it. And we train for that as well. Like that is part of the training courses that we do is that you have to, as well as show automation skills, you have to show manual flying skills. Okay. Okay. Uh, here's another question. Um, how, how many times uh, have you done a pre-flight check and found something wrong has have either of you refused to find aircraft due to a technical issue can you <laughs> good, good questions i'm like I'm yeah. 
Glennis, do you want to take oh, that one? Oh, or? sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I'm a, I'm a little spoiled on the wide body now because oh, right. uh, maintenance does all of our walk around. <laughs> oh. I haven't had to do a walk around for a while. Um, but on the narrow bodies, um, yeah, occasionally, I, I think probably the thing that you would, uh, I can maybe remember a couple times is, you know, seeing like um, uh, a tire that needed replacing or something like that, call maintenance and they get, get that taken care of. And, um, and yeah, you know, I remember uh, another time in the Airbus going to LaGuardia, which is always, you know, one of the you know, more challenging airports. It's got short runways. It was bad weather. And we had um, something, we have our minimum equipment list, our MEL. And it sometimes if there's something wrong with the airplane, we can look at the MEL and say, oh, okay, you're allowed to go with that part unserviceable provided other things are working normally. And so um, we were totally within our rights to go. Um, with the part that was unserviceable, but then looking at LaGuardia's operation, looking at the weather, we didn't feel that with that part unserviceable, uh, we wanted to, to go. And so the captain and I discussed it and we decided um, we would go if we had another airplane and, or if this one got fixed. And to be honest, I can't remember what happened. Uh, we ended up going, so I can't remember if we got a new airplane or if it got fixed, but it definitely, like the company backed us up 100% and said, yep, sure, we'll make sure you've got a good plane before you go. So um, I always, you know, I really liked, um, you know, to know that the company takes our, you know, judgment uh, in those matters very seriously and they, uh, they just backed us up. As a passenger, I also like to hear that. That was great. <laughs> Um, okay, we're going to move into training for a little bit here. Here's a question um, from Caleb. Thank you. Um, with the modernization of simulators, it sounds like they can replace a lot of the flying. How much actual flying can simulators actually re replace now? Flying or train? I'm, I'm assuming he needs training. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So basically, what happens is. Um, on a course, so if you're getting a type rating on an airplane, there's a requirement to do ground school, which is normally uh, two to three weeks. And that goes through system knowledge as well as procedural training uh, through our SOPs, uh, Center Operating Procedures. So use like a, a procedure trainer, which is basically like touch screen and you can kind of you know manipulate the, the switches and controls and just know your procedures. Then once we get into the simulator training, um, we have uh, what we call level D simulators. So level D simulators uh, basically allow us to do all the training. Uh, so a pilot will come in, we'll do about 12 to 13 sessions um, of different maneuvers. And there's also a couple of uh, testing in there as well, testing sessions. Um, and then, once they've passed that phase of their training, they can basically go right to a, an airplane then and fly it with passengers. Uh, however, they're with a training pilot. So the captain uh, that they're flying with, uh, so for, like, for myself, when I was doing my training as a captain, I was with another captain, so a training captain. And uh, so basically then you have to do a certain amount of uh, hours flying with that training captain, and then you have to go through another checkout 
um, before you actually get the final sign off. And as well, we have two additional simulator sessions um, for uh, the captain candidates to basically, <laughs> whatever can go wrong will go wrong on those two sessions. So um, they're kind of just seeing how you handle it. And then once you pass that and you pass your final line check, then you kind of get the sign off. So there is a lot that can be done in the simulators because we do have the level D. Um, on some simulators, if they're what they're called the level C, um, like when we got our max uh, simulators, they were initially called the level C. And so then we had a requirement to go to the airplane without passengers on board, again with another training captain, and you do the touch and goes, uh, so basically takeoffs and landings. And I think, Glennis, that's what you did on the 787? Uh, we, we did, but the 787 sim is level D, so... Yeah. Um, but the reason that we uh, we did touch and goes at the start of the 787 training program was just uh, uh, Transport Canada um, gave us a let in order to uh, shorten the line indoctrination. So if we could oh, go right. out and do a bunch of touch and goes and we get a couple landings in that way, as opposed to, you know, waiting till, you know, getting one landing after one 12 hour flight. Um, oh, right. And honestly, that was probably one of the funnest days of my career. We had a training <laughs> captain, we had a captain from Boeing as well. And then there was five first officers and we just rotated through the right seat. And it was fun whether you were sitting in the seat flying or sitting in the back watching everybody else. And it, I remember landing in Ottawa and because the 787 was a brand new airplane, it was still getting, uh, you know, the plane spotters were super excited anytime they saw it coming out. And there's all these people watching the plane as it came into land. Um, and, but then I think they were blown away to see it do the touch and go and just keep going. And yeah, it was, it was amazing. I felt super fortunate to be able to do that. When Glennis was telling me this, and, and if, if, if you're watching this, I said this earlier, but if you're watching this and you don't, you're not really in aviation, you're just kind of checking this out to, to learn about aviation, Google the 787 and picture that going around. And around. <laughs> you went from Ottawa, where, where did you go? Um, we left Toronto, but then we went back and forth between Ottawa and Mirabelle. Ottawa and Mirabelle, but round and around and around you went. That's crazy. Um, okay, personal question, speaking of uh, air traffic control, because I picture them watching you do this, um, and then we'll, we'll keep going here, but my, my personal question, what's the relationship between, in your opinion, what's the relationship between pilots and air traffic control? Uh, I, I think it's a, it's a good one. It's a, it's a symbiotic relationship. <laughs> it has to be um, because, you know, we, we rely on air traffic control so much and then at the same, um, same time, you know, we have to follow their, their guidance, their controlling and stuff in order to, to get the job done. So it's, it's always pretty cool when you're coming into a really busy airport and you know sometimes when there's lots of thunderstorms around and it it it, it is just amazing to to hear you know as um uh, a controller just make it seem so easy where i can't imagine being on the other side of the radio We're talking. case and um and it's you know it's so it's one of those things where you know everyone has to do their part for it to work out that slick but it's pretty cool when uh, you know when it does <laughs> which is 
99.9% of the time. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of trust I'm, involved, eh? A lot of trust between those two. I, I remember one day we took off out of Toronto and there was a huge thunderstorm and the air traffic controller, he knew where it was. So nobody had to request a deviation. He was just like, Air Canada, turn this way. WestJet, turn this way. Jazz, <laughs> yeah. turn this way. And we're like, holy cow, this guy's got it going. Like, he knows what he's at. So it's kind of cool. Feel free to call in and give compliments. It's <laughs> Do all the time. We did that day. I told him. I said, hats off. It was, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. This hour goes by so fast. Okay. Here's a, here's a great question. Talking about training, let's, let's start at the beginning. Um, Here's a question. Which is the least expensive route to becoming a pilot and which is the fastest way to becoming a pilot? And what do you recommend? I'll add on. Whoever wants to start. Who wants that one? Uh, um, uh, you know, there's, a, there's a few ways to do it um, and uh, be a little bit more economical about it. Uh, Air Cadets, like I said, you can get your private license. Um, for free through Air Cadets, it does take a bit of a commitment for a few years until you can make it to the uh, private pilot program. But then, um, yeah, in, at the end of a summer camp, I got my private pilot's license and um, even before I got my driver's license. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and then the, some of the aviation colleges, um, I believe a couple still have some subsidized programs where you pay your tuition, but uh, some of the flying is subsidized, and um, and but not all of them uh, do that. Uh, and I like having gone through the aviation um, college program. I loved it. I loved being a part of a group that, in a way, it was it was super competitive. But I mean, these are some of my the people I graduated with are some of my best friends. But uh, but it was competitive in a good way. It also, it made us all up our game. And so the program I took, took three years. I mean, someone could do it faster going out to, um, if you go to Brampton Flying Club and just say, okay, you know what, I'm just getting the time in, you know, and, and there's a big advantage to doing it that way as well. It's expensive because you have to put a lot of money up front relatively quickly but the advantage of when you're new to any skill if you're able to you know get up flying two three times a week you retain so much more so if you're only flying once a month or twice a month or something sometimes you know the first half hour back in the airplane you have to relearn stuff that you had learned on the previous lesson so i always tell people and if you have to like save some money until you can actually go and take a good run at it, whether you're doing it through the college, you know, through a, a private flying school. And I think they're all kind of viewed uh, with the same respect by the airlines. If you have all the, you know, required licenses, the commercial multi-engine IFR at the end of the day, um, they often do like to see some form of post-secondary education, but doesn't necessarily, if you have all your licenses and have a business degree, um, they're just as satisfied with that. Okay. Um, Kim, do you have any more advice on, on which way people should, should go? Um, yeah, I think uh, Glenna said it all. She really uh, nailed it all in the head there. Definitely. Um, and uh, you know, just like she said, it's, a lot of the airlines now, they require you to have either uh, some sort of diploma or some sort of degree. Um, so, you know, if you choose to kind of go to a flight school and say, okay, I just want to get my flying done, I want to get my commercial license, 
that's great. But just kind of make sure you have something behind you. Like you might already have a degree. So some people do that. Some people will go to university to get their degree and then uh, go to flight school while they're doing it as well, which is a lot of work. Um, but, you know, if you're able to do that, and you have the resources to do that, then great. You know, the biggest, again, the challenge is this is financial. Um, you know, a lot of the schools in Ontario, I know some of them are, are funded. I'm not sure if yours was, uh, Glennis, but I know the one that... It was, uh, yeah. Yeah, my partner, he went to, he, uh, his, uh, his training was funded as well. So, I mean, that makes it a little easier as well. Yeah, one of the things I really want people to get out of this, out of watching YouTube today, is the encouragement to keep going when it seems so long and expensive and frustrating to become a pilot. So what do you say to those people if there's some, if there's some young people on here right now and, and that this is their dream to be you? Um, and kind of moving into that now, like, so this is their dream to be you. And it, they're asking themselves, how do I afford it? How do I, how do I keep going? Like, I know that we lose people along the way that want to be pilots. That's their dream. And they, they never see their dream come true. What advice do you have for them? Um, who wants to start, Kim? Um, well, again, there's lots of resources out there, right? There's lots of programs with scholarships. Um, you know, Elevate, uh, again, you know, Elevate's a great organization that provides mentors and can kind of put you in touch with someone that can guide you in the way, right way. The 99s is a uh, female pilot organization. They, uh, they also offer uh, scholarships. So there's lots of uh, programs out there that do offer scholarships. Um, you know, it's, it's like anything. I mean, unfortunately, it's life. Nothing comes easy. And uh, I know that uh, for me, when I was going through my training, um, you know, sometimes I thought that there wouldn't be a light at the end of the tunnel, um, but you just got to keep pushing. Uh, you know, you just kind of got to, if there's, if that's hurdles in the way, just move it aside, just keep trudging along. And uh, the big thing that's really going to make you succeed as well is attitude, attitude, attitude. It, it, it's everything. You've got to keep a positive attitude and know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And if that's your dream, and that's what you want to do, then there's no reason why you can't do it. Glennis, do you have the same sort of advice? Like, I, I really hear that sometimes it's just like, people might need to hear it. Yes, it's hard. So what? Uh, yes, I know when, uh, when I graduated from college, it was 1993, and the aviation industry, um, as we're seeing right now, was always cyclical, right? There's highs and lows, and um, I graduated in a low, and... Um, and so there weren't a lot of jobs out there initially, but um, I was fortunate enough to, uh, oops, shoot, uh, sorry. <laughs> Hello. Uh, I'm trying to get rid of my phone. I lost everybody. Uh, well, if you can still hear me, I'll keep talking. Uh, we oh, can still we hear you. And so um, uh, what, uh, so basically, you know, I, I took a job instructing because that was about the only Oh, we've lost her, I think. Okay, we'll come, we'll come yeah. back to that with Glennis. So, um, she's Kim, frozen too. Oh, oh there oh, she is. Okay. okay, sorry. Can you see me now? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, so I said, like, so, yeah, when I graduated, uh, I took an instructing job. Uh, you know, even it was, you know, the glamorous twin engine job that we all kind of wanted after college, but none of those were available. But I know other um, people in my class 
you know, they worked dispatch, they swept hangers, they became flight attendants, whatever it took to keep yourself involved in the industry. Because then too, they, that was how they got their foot in the door. Um, and so when jobs started to open up, like about a year or so later, they were like, hey, you know, whoever's been sweeping the floor of the hangar, you got a right seat on that twin over there, you know? Yeah. And so again, it's just, you know, it's uh, like Kim said, you know, getting involved with these organizations uh, like the 99s is, is great. It's the networking and it's just staying in touch with people in aviation. I think that will, it will keep you motivated and, um, and it'll give you, you know, leads on jobs and stuff like that too. So there's that benefit too. That's such a great message, you know, to, for people, you know, especially today, the people that are coming through thinking that they're going to be a pilot just like that. And then now COVID happened, like no job. Um, I think I'm hearing you say no job is beneath you in the aviation industry on your journey to achieving your dream. Well, I always think of years ago, um, I got to participate in the uh, Webster competition for private pilots and it was super fun. And I, I remember at the um, awards dinner, it was the 747 chief pilot from Air Canada who came in and gave a little speech. And so of course we're all just like, whoa, this guy's at the top of the industry. He's got the best job. And you know, he looked at all of us and we were all still in college and stuff for the most part. And he goes, I'm so envious of all of you. And we're like, what? <laughs> he goes, because you guys have all your flying ahead of you and mine is almost behind me. And I, I've never forgotten that. And, and often it's the, you know, flying the smaller planes at the smaller airlines where you make some of your, you know, longtime friends, you have, you have so many cool experiences. And then, like I said, I mean, I, I love my job now. I love all the experiences that it gives me flying overseas, but at the same time, I also I feel so lucky that I got to experience, you know, what I did on my way to Air Canada. Wow, that's such great advice. One of the ladies here is asking a question. Uh, you both talked about getting a degree or, or some sort of education, and she said that she's, she's not going to university to get a degree, but she is getting all her licenses. Will it be more difficult for her to get a job at an airline? You spoke about that a little bit. Could you answer that again? Maybe do you think it will be more difficult for her if she doesn't have anything behind the license? You know, um, I, I would say it, it's worthwhile reaching out to Air Canada and WestJet or wherever she wants to end up down the road just to see what they're looking for in their pilot hiring requirements. Because, and it will change too, as things start to open back up and they need more pilots, then it, it, and it may not even be a requirement necessarily now. Obviously the pilot licenses are the most important part of the equation, but it's worth looking to see what different um, airlines or wherever, if you want to have corporate flying, just talk to people and find out what they're actually looking for. Okay, okay, here's a question. Um, I like this question. <laughs> is it easier to be an ATC, which is air traffic controller for anyone who doesn't know, with pilot experience, or is it easier to be a pilot with air traffic control experience? Because they'd love to do both. Huh. Can you answer that, Kendra, where you're on <laughs> ATC? <laughs> I can answer the first part. Um, uh, being an air traffic, or sorry, being a pilot to become an air traffic controller certainly sets you off on a good foot. Um, and there might be people with different opinions, but um, I think it sets you off on a good foot at the beginning. Um, but along the training, everyone sort of levels off 
to the same. And sometimes the people with pilot licenses make it, sometimes they don't. Sometimes ab initio is coming in with no aviation experience make it, and sometimes they don't. So at the end of the day, it gives you a head start, but I don't think it, it really matters at the end. And um, an air traffic controller becoming a pilot, um, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think, I mean, I don't know anyone who's ever done that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know what, I flew with one captain, I remember on the Airbus, and uh, when he was uh, furloughed, after 9-11, he uh, became an air traffic controller. And uh, he, he did that for a while, but um, he was the only one that I knew that did that. So um, I, think I, I have some- a dozen of our pilots do that after 9-11. Right. Oh, really? Okay. Or even earlier, even uh, uh, like in 93, I think when they- Oh, or, no, okay, sorry, okay. The previous layoffs, there's, there yes. have been a bunch, but I think mm -hmm. I agree with what Kendra said too. It may give you a little bit of leg up at the start, but um, uh, I don't mm -hmm. think it you know, would necessarily make it a uh, guarantee. <laughs> okay, we're running out of time, which I hate because I feel like we could talk all day. Um, <laughs> let's go on to a little different direction here. And Kim, I want, I want to start with you on this question, but um, for both of you, okay you're going through this long journey becoming a pilot it's expensive it, it's you know you must have had ups and downs was there a moment when you thought i made it yep can you tell us about that <laughs> several moments to be honest <laughs> um you know when you get your first flying job it's like wow i've made it um, but you know, when you get to Air Canada, it's like, holy, I'm here. Like, and you actually get to get on the radio and say Air Canada and you're wearing the uniform. Like, it's like, wow, you know, you kind of get a little emotional. Uh, for me, my real moment was when I became captain and I passed my final line oh, check. Um, and it was uh, my flight uh, from uh, London Heathrow to St. John's. <laughs> And uh, that's, that's the one that I always dreamed of doing when I was a kid. And I had my sister on board. And, uh, you know, when I landed in St. John's and a friend of mine, um, they kind of knew this was happening. Um, and she had a photographer taking uh, pictures of me on, you know, when I had landed. And I saw this guy taking pictures. And I'm like, why is he taking pictures? And what's going on? And so the captain I was with said, okay, I might as well tell you congratulations, you're, you're Canada's newest captain. And at that point, it's just like, you get really emotional and <laughs> realize, okay, I still got to taxi the airplane to the gate, so stay focused. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that was kind of the real moment for me. And I, you know, I think every day when I go to work, even though I know I've been grounded for a year, um, and I can't wait to get flying again, but even like going in and teaching in the simulator, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's still very rewarding. And to do this job, I know that I've made it, so. That's pretty cool. That's a great story. Gunnis, do you have a, a kind of that moment? I, I think, um, I, like, I like what I agree with Kim, when I got the call from Air Canada, for me, I always equated to uh, getting called up to the NHL. <laughs> um, that, that was the feeling I had when I got that call. <laughs> wow. What was the most, and maybe this is the same, but maybe this is different. What was the most meaningful moment that you've had in your career? Um, I would say one of my most meaningful moments is back when I was flying in Newfoundland. 
Um, and we used to fly to a lot of, uh, you know, the communities, uh, like our poor communities. We flew to one on the south coast of uh, or Labrador. And um, the flight, we'd go in the St. John's. Um, we'd had, you know, daily flights in the St. John's. And uh, we used to take uh, this little girl and her mother uh, from there because there was uh, some of these communities, you know, there's not really a lot of medical facilities per se. So we would fly her and her mom into St. John's um, and she was going through uh, cancer treatments. And there was one day she came out running uh, to me and she was so excited because she was cancer free. And I knew that I had, I had a part of that because I was bringing her back and forth to her treatments. So, yeah, I know. <laughs> so that, that's always a moment that, you know, that sticks with me. Oh. oh, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, Glenn, it's a question for you. You can answer that as well, but I'll throw out another one. Okay. Um, do you ever, because I talk about this a lot, I have it. I wonder if you guys have it. Do you ever have that voice inside your head that tells you that you're not good enough and, and maybe you don't have it anymore because you're flying the dream, the dreamliner? Um, do you still have it? Did you ever have it? You know, I think... I think everyone's had it in their head at some time. Uh, I finally saw someone call it imposter syndrome and I was like, right, you know, and I think uh, Kim and I are both part of a female pilot Facebook group um, that it's always kind of cool just to hear what, you know, other women in the industry, you know, experience and a lot of it's like, oh, that's exactly, you know, what I've gone through. And it's funny because it, it, they say in any industry, often women are, are worse at that, thinking that I don't know if I deserve to be here when they you're as fully qualified as anybody else and you do deserve to be there. So I think anyone can have those doubts uh, regardless of what industry they're in. Um, but you just have to kind of shake them off and know, you know what, I have worked just as hard as everybody else, you know, and um, I, I deserve to be here. And, you know, and it's always just to like, you know, you go into your simulator sessions and everything just as a professional. You study and you always just want to kind of go in there and um, do your best. So, like, if those creep thoughts creep in, then you can push them aside by, you know, just continuing to work hard. Yeah, I spoke at a conference, an aviation conference, and I talked about the imposter syndrome. And one of the men afterwards asked the question, he's like, what is this imposter syndrome? And I said, um, to the women who are in the room, if you know what this is and you've experienced this, and if you don't mind, please raise your hand. And every single one of them raised their hand. <laughs> um, and so it really is. I mean, I'm sure that men have it too, but it's, it's hard on women. It's mm -hmm. really hard on women. So overcoming that is, is, is huge. And back to what we spoke about, and we have a, a message from Caleb here as well, um, talking about attitude. And, and we're just about out of time. So um, attitude is so important. What is your next challenge or are you done? Kim? To get flying again? <laughs> no, uh, my next challenge, you know what? Um, my next challenge would be to uh, build my experience um, as captain uh, on the 737 MAX when we get it flying again. And then hopefully uh, to go on to do some overseas, uh, more uh, overseas flying like Glennis does. Like she flies, you know, sometimes over to Asia and all throughout Europe. I've done a little bit of overseas flying, um, but I would like to do more. So that would definitely be a challenge for me. Um, and maybe hopefully uh, get to at some point, um, 
get back to instructing in small airplanes, but to uh, become a, an instructor with a float plane, um, float plane flying. Okay. So that, that's kind of my challenge I'd like to do down somewhere down the road, but. Um, Glennis, how about you? Are you, are you done? You're kicking your feet up so you know? <laughs> um, I always say it like the day you stop learning something in aviation is the day you, you retire. And even then, I think yeah. on your last day, you'd, um, you've never learned it all. So there's always something new to learn. But for me, it's to do my left seat. And I want, I am holding out. Um, a few months ago, I was this close to getting my left seat on the 787, um, uh, well, to being able to hold the position, I should say. And so I look forward to, it might take me a couple more years to get back to that spot. But um, uh, as Kim mentioned, it, you know, it's a, it's a big challenge, lots of hard work uh, to do the command course. But um, I, I look forward to that. And um, yeah, I would love to fly a 787 from the left seat. Do you, this is the last question now, do you think mentorship is important? Are you, would you agree with me that you encourage people who are listening? We, we have some more questions here that we're not going to be able to get to, but come get a mentor. We can even hook them up with you guys. If you want to have more conversations with Glennis or Kim on a personal level to answer some of your questions, um, do you guys agree that mentorship is really important? Extremely important. I, uh... I didn't have a mentor per se when I was doing my training, but then um, as I got more involved with these groups like the 99s, groups like Elevate, um, I've got exposure to uh, a lot more people in the industry, which helped. And right now I think I have like eight mentees and I have some with Elevate, I have some with the 99s, I have some with Northern Lights. So, um, you know, I think it's really important to have a mentor, even if it's just to kind of pick up the phone and say, you know what, I'm having a bad day or, hey, I had a great flight today and I wanted to share it. So it's, it's really important to have someone to kind of reach out to and just talk to. So reach out to those organizations. They're great. Uh, there's great people involved with really good experience and knowledge level. Gunnis? I, I totally agree. Uh, I like Kim. I, I didn't have a female mentor as I started my career. Um, but now whenever I get asked to do something like a career day in a school or something like this, I always love to do it. Um, you know, for one thing, just to show people like, because as we know, there are females are still a small percentage of the industry. And just to show like, hey, this is an option to anybody who wants to do it. But recently too, a lot of my uh, male colleagues have asked me if I would talk to their daughters or yeah, their friend's yeah. daughter or something, you know, just so that they had um, my perspective on the industry. And so I, I love doing that. And I also like, you know, I love to talk about, I love to talk about flying as all pilots do, <laughs> but it's also, it's so great to talk to these young women and see how excited they are. Like I feed off their enthusiasm as much as the other way around, I would think. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? Uh, I just want to say to everyone who joined us today that um, I love this conversation and I hope that you've all loved this conversation and that you've taken something away today that you can, uh, you know, take some inspiration or motivation away from this conversation. Um, don't forget to go to elevateaviation.ca to sign up for our newsletter if you're not already there so that you can uh, still be involved in these webinars going forward. Um, also, you can go on to Elevate Aviation to buy some beautiful Hilbert and Burke jewelry. Uh, I say that because uh, Mother's Day is coming up and it's a great way to help support our organization because um, we want to continue to support 
people get into aviation. And so that's a way that you can help support us. Uh, next Wednesday, we have Tara Frazier on. She's the first Indigenous woman to own an airline. Uh, so please join us wow. for that. It's going to be a really interesting conversation. And, um, you know, again, mentorship can help you succeed further, faster than without mentorship. So go to Elevate Aviation, get a mentor. It's free. It's completely free. And we'll hook you up with wonderful people like these people. So if you have more questions, don't be shy, uh, right? Like, don't be shy. Call us and we'll hook you up with a mentor. And uh, because we all want to see you succeed. That's why we're all doing this. That's why everyone is given time today. Uh, and that's why these ladies have, have um, that's why they're here. That's why they're here today to talk to you guys all about this. So thank you all so much for joining us. Goddess Kim, I love you guys. <laughs> Thanks, Kendra. Thanks, Kendra. You're so amazing. Thank you. Oh, thank you. This organization, it's been wonderful. So, thank you, and I look forward to seeing you in person one day. Yes. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you. thank you. Okay. Bye. -bye. bye.